You're recording live today from Sage Music here in Long Island City, a school that turns people of all ages from students into musicians. The school has a unique curriculum which teachers focus personal attention and utilize a holistic approach to teaching every student. The school is owned by inspirational Iraq War veteran Jason Sagabiel, who offers classes in guitar, piano, cello, violin, and voice. Also check out the recently opened new location in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. To learn more about Sage Music, visit www.sagemusic.co.co. We're also brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash improvnoise. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This is Improv Noise. And in order to get started, we need a suggestion of something you can't eat. Hey guys, today's episode is with Lewis Kornfeld. Check it out. Baritone voice. Oh, thank you too much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm a little bit sick, so it like fills my voice with sex appeal these yeah, days. It yeah, it's really cool. More appeal. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you said it was. Uh, so t- you said it was. You guys were playing not full on the gas pedal tonight. Like you guys were being too polite to each other. Well, or? no, no, far from it. If okay. anything, I I think I personally had my foot on the gas pe- pedal a little bit hard tonight. Oh, the other way around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I, I think I was pushing a little bit hard tonight. Right. You were taking it. You were taking the car out after a long time, and so you're gonna go fast. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Get exactly. Back to that. Exactly. Yeah. Which was fine. It was cool. It was it was an energetic, fun show, but it was definitely, uh, I think, a little bit uh, broader than what we wanted to do with it. Broader, yeah. So um, like broader emotions and broader tropes. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, do you have an internal like kind of like not? I, I guess you could call it a clock, but like an internal like uh, set of awareness of how fast things should be moving, how the pace should be, and how specific you should be getting, and how much space and time you allow for things to like develop and grow? Um, I think I tend to be a pretty slow player. Mm-hmm. And if I'm really aware of the speed that's necessary for a show, that's usually an indication that I'm I'm not 100% in the show. So mm. so if I start thinking about it, I try to get my mind off of it. I, um, like for me, it kind of works best if I'm not really thinking about the mechanics of how to move it forward or what to do with it. If I just try to involve myself in, in kind of knowing who I am and what I'm about and, and what I think about things, you know, over the course of the show and, and kind of letting it happen and seeing where it goes. Totally. Like there's a, there's a story about a, a hurdler and she was winning the race. And as she was winning the race, she was like, well, oh, I got to make sure my legs are springing. I got to spring over these hurdles. Yeah. And she kept thinking about that yeah. so much so that she got out of her muscle memory and into her conscious like mind of like worrying about things and yeah. hit the hurdle. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I do, um, like, I think it's good to go into a show with a couple of, of things to think about. Mm-hmm. But once you start the show, I, I feel it's best to kind of then let the show happen. I, I kind of feel like when a show is really working, you're only sort of half conscious about what you're doing. And, and usually that's when it feels really good and, and you hit the sweet spot with it. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're saying going with a couple things. You mean like after the suggestion or before the suggestion? Um, it it will depend. Okay. If uh, 
if I'm in a funk or if the group is, uh, for whatever reason, kind of off page with each other, I think it can be useful to go in with something before the suggestion to just kind of know of like, all right, tonight we're going to start, you know, uh, one person's going to kind of set an environment or something like that. Okay. I think it can be good to give yourself little tiny tasks to focus on just because if, if you're feeling yourself in a funk for a little bit, setting a task and then being able to accomplish that task, even if it's like we just accomplished that one person started in silence or we accomplished that we, <laughs> we didn't try to get a laugh for the first 90 seconds of the show. When you accomplish it, you feel successful and it usually kind of carries you back into a place where it's like, okay, cool. Now I don't have to worry about how, how bad I am as an improviser. I can, <laughs> I can just play the show. Again. Oh, nice. Like a sort of a kind of a backdoor way into getting into your own confidence again. I I believe in side coaching yourself. That's a that's a Spolin thing, and and I I think it's useful. I think it's good to periodically you know remind yourself of certain things to focus on. But I like I I say that I I only do it when I'm in a place where I'm very I'm feeling self conscious, and mm. and so I'm trying to use my own self consciousness in order to get beyond it, in order to go back to a place where I'm not really thinking too much about what I'm doing. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I love that bringing stuff on. So I always try to give myself challenges. You yeah. know? I'm like, all right, Stefan, whatever, you're not going to be high status this time or something like that. And then remembering even one challenge and doing it, it's so difficult. Oh, like yeah. when I'm on stage, because I, I think I've had a workshop with Joe Bill. He's just like, yeah, try to give yourself challenges. Good luck. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like his, his feeling on it. And then I go on stage and then I play and I, maybe I have a good time. But when I'm done, I'm just like, oh, yeah. I had challenges I was going to do. <laughs> you know? I totally forget. Every just, time. Yeah. yeah. Every single time. Because I guess, which is not a bad thing, um, listening and responding overrides everything. Yeah. It should. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, but then that goes to maybe like my long-term, maybe I was dropping my, my like I said, my challenges, which, which fall into my long-term focus, my yeah. long-term brain, which I should at least have a finger in, if not a hand in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Sometimes uh, I don't want to think too much about that stuff. Like it's really useful in classes and workshops and um, and rehearsals to have things thrown at you, you know, to work at. But when you're playing, uh, like I, the last thing I want to do is get hung up with myself and mm -hmm. and and because it puts me in a in a headspace where I'm I'm worrying about if I'm qualified to be performing, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, uh, and it's like, I don't know. Like, all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like, it's a horrible, shitty feeling. And, and, uh, so like every now and again, it's kind of cool to throw a challenge or like every now and again, for me, just because I get this like bug in my head sometimes where it's like, Oh, I want to be, uh, I like good acting and improv and, you yeah. know, Oh yeah. So every now and again, I, I'll kind of get that in my mind of like, I'm going to be a good actor. <laughs> And uh, so usually about a month after I, I start thinking that, I start having these just like boring, depressing <laughs> shows where things get really dark. And so I do have to periodically remind myself of like, hey, try to try to try to not be heavy. And you know what I mean? Like that's that's if I give myself a note before a show, it will often be try not to be heavy. tonight. Try to try to, you know. Try to like stuff that's going on. Yeah, less, less sourpuss is when I'm done. This that's time. a great note. Yeah, that's a really great note. Less sourpuss. That, that captures it totally, totally. Because you know you can get hung up on that thing of like if I'm pissy, it looks like I'm a great actor. And it's like no, it doesn't. No, all it does is bring everybody in the room down. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so, uh, uh, we're seated here with Mr. Lewis Kornfeld. Hi. Uh, he's the artistic director of Megawatt at the Magnet Theater. He was also a teacher and longtime ensemble member uh, of the Magnet Theater. Sorry, I said twice. He can be seen regularly performing with The Boss and Kitch, Kiss Punch Poem, and is an award-winning writer, actor for the podcast The Truth. Lewis has appeared in countless shows of The Magnet and elsewhere, including The Theory of Everything, the Armando Diaz Experience, and a stint with the Second City Touring Co. on board of the NCL Gem. He remains firmly optimistic. I thought I read that because I love that part of your bio. Plus, Thanks. you also play with uh, Megaloo regularly, right? I do. Yeah, I play with Megaloo and um, with Megan Gray. With Megan Gray, yeah. Who's the artistic director of the Magnet? Who is the artistic yeah. director of the Magnet? Yeah, and my long-term <laughs> girlfriend as well. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thank you. Improv nice. couple. I yeah. love improv couples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys listen to each other really well? Um, we do. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we do. It's you don't have to answer that question. That was a stupid question. <laughs> no, we do. Do you mean on stage or off stage? Uh, either I was thinking more off stage, but let's talk about on stage. On stage, we do. Off okay. stage, I can be the same dickhead that anybody can be. <laughs> yeah, it's giving yeah. those selves. It's giving yourself those challenges that you forgot about. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> off stage, totally. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's super fun to play with Meg. Um, I mean, not only is she just a fabulous improviser and and, and um, uh, compliments me really well. Like I feel like all of my shortcomings as an improviser, Megan is just like dazzles with. <laughs> but we've been together for a long time. We've been dating for sixteen years. Wow! And, Congratulations! Uh, thanks, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, and we've lived together for a long time. So so our communication with each other is really quick it's not that we have a shorthand worked out it's just if i tilt my head like that megan knows that i'm referencing to kill a mockingbird or whatever (laughs) you don't even think about it it's just kind of you instantly pick up on what the other person what their intention is and so it makes it really fun because a lot of times we'll find that all we have to do is look at each other like a line into a scene and we both know exactly what the other person is thinking so it's it's wicked fun to play with her yeah so the two of you have in between the lines down to a t uh i hope so she might disagree <laughs> with that yeah uh but yeah i for the most part we do megan because megan has a lot she's a very idea centric improviser mm. okay um what do you mean by idea centric so so megan in her daily life will keep a tally of relationships that she's played in shows oh my god and she'll pay attention to like people in real life and will make a mental note of like i've never played that relationship before so she'll make it her goal to play that relationship in a show at some point she'll bring it up just just for the sake of like i've never experienced it so let's do it and see what happens i never think like that and when i get a suggestion i i almost never have like a game in mind or a concept or even much of an idea for a scene i I tend to to think in terms of character or mood or point of view or something so it's really enjoyable to play with her because she has strong ideas and then it's very easy for me to react to those ideas and kind of instantly find my own character you know towards that so i love playing with her because it to me it feels like she does all the heavy lifting and then i just have to kind of like oh yeah 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 and i'll get a lot of laughs just kind of nodding my head at stuff it's it's (laughs) nice uh, which is my favorite (laughs) way to play (laughs) i i will take the laugh on the least amount of effort possible every single time 
totally. Yeah. And and I think I think that's not done enough. I think a lot of we're talking about good acting again. I think a lot of people because a lot of people that do improv uh, don't come from like a theater and acting background. Yeah. I should say that used to not be the case, but say now that's that's more the case. <clears throat> yeah. And and it's interesting because there is like an instinct that people have when they're like, oh, I'm performing. Let me put my performance on. Sure. You know. Yeah. And it's it, it's it's always good to see when someone who knows they're, they're performing without putting anything on. And that makes them more f- effective performer. Yeah, I think you know? that's true. It, have do you guys know Dave Rizowski? Have you oh ever yeah. Seen mm-hmm. Him? Mm-hmm. So he he talks about that a lot of um, how like his generation of improvisers right. were all trained by actors, and mm-hmm. and our generation of improvisers are all trained by improvisers. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that that's true. I think that you lose some of the. Um, there's like a a, a a certain amount of prioritizing um, kind of theatrical needs that gets yeah. lost over the years. I think in totally. New York too, especially. Totally. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, because New York doesn't really have like a theatrical tradition behind its improv. True. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. if you want to be a successful comedian living in New York, you got to be working on stuff that's going to end up on on YouTube or or you know you're aiming for television. And so there's less of a of a of a focus on how do I really hold the stage and how do I really use the theater itself. It's a lot more of a focus on like okay, what's the concept? What's the idea here to yeah. play out? You and know? the stages are so much smaller. That's like. Yeah kind of prohibitive to be doing great like status work with distance and spacing sure yeah things like that yeah i've seen a lot more talking heads type of scenes oh, yeah. here but the i mean the way that they spin it with their words it's like whoa yeah you know oh yeah really fantastic yeah absolutely yeah it, it, new york i think in contrast to like chicago has a very um highly developed verbal style of play yeah totally you see really amazing ideas and an amazing ability to heighten ideas whereas if you go to chicago um because you know second city is the main gig in chicago and so if you want to hit the second city stage you have to have a little bit of theater experience you see i think um a much more fluid sense of physicality among their performers. Yeah, right, they, totally. they use the space a lot more than you tend to see in New York. Totally, mm-hmm. yeah. totally. Yeah, I also see, like, I was just at home uh, at, at, at North Carolina, and I went to Dirty South Improv in yeah. Chapel Hill yeah. to see their Christmas show. And I've never been, but I've heard so much about it. It's a huge following. It's a, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful little theater. Uh, or improv, uh, they do improv and sketch and stand up down there. It's a comedy theater, and I go there and, and I see it's really long and thin, and mm. the stage is like really tiny. It's like a stand up stage, mm. and I was just really disappointed. <laughs> like, yeah. no, no offense to DSI, but I was, I was just like, oh, no, you're man. throwing it I'm down. Definitely yeah, you're just, yeah, you were That's throwing okay. mud. That's I'll defend it. Uh, I look at that and I'm just like, that stage is so tiny. Why? Come on, this, you guys. This is going to come back. This is going to come back to haunt you. Yeah, in yeah. Like two years, you're going to yeah. be in a lot of trouble for this. <laughs> yeah. And I love improvising in a real theater. Because yeah. here in New York, there's a whole culture of improvising in bars and bar basements oh, sure. as well as improvising in like theaters like Under St. Mark's and like off off Broadway theaters and things like that. And uh, improvising in a theater is just like, you just improvise so much better. It's just the energy's better. There's so much to use. Yeah, it's just. To me, improvising like in a bar basement or a very thin, limited space, uh, to me, it feels a little cheaper. Yeah, I'll there's no that. resonance. Yeah. Like, actions don't have resonance. If, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it further than that, but that's kind of the vibe I get. I think that's true. I, you definitely have to make an adjustment to your strategy if you're playing in, in like, the triple car basement right, or something. Right, totally. Oof. You have to bring more energy. It You, you tend to want to... Um, invite a slightly more irrational approach to your play you know mm-hmm. like um 
you have to have a lot of surprises yeah. mm-hmm. in those spaces to keep people interested, especially because not only is it small, it's hot, yeah. it's noisy. So you're combating all that stuff, and, and so you really have to keep the performance lively. I mean, you got to keep any performance lively, but, but um, when you're in a theater, I mean, I love spaces where people shut the hell up. And, and <laughs> yeah. watch you. I, totally. I, I mean, I'm a. V- it's interesting. I'm a visual thinker when I'm performing improv. Mm-hmm. When I'm not, I'm not a visual thinker. Interesting. You listen. I yeah. I tend to be verbal in real life. I'm verbal and introspective, and then when I hit the stage, I I start thinking in pictures. Mm-hmm. And for me, improvising is a very visual uh, uh, form. So I I like spaces where people will be quiet and will watch. <laughs> what's happening yeah you know because then uh, you can really afford to take your time and you can really afford to have thoughts you know i i i like watching people think on stage and i like being afforded the time to think on stage and and i find for me um like a lot of the biggest laughs i'll i'll get will tend to be in the quiet moments where I just have an internal reaction to something and people just pick up on, on what I was just thinking. I love those. <laughs> that yeah, takes a yeah. lot of moments. patience and a lot of confidence to like pull that off. Because like, you know, I'll, I'll try to be quiet on stage. You know, you constantly hear silence is power, yeah. you know, play with that. And so I'll be quiet. And then at the other end of that beautiful rainbow of silence, I have nothing. Depends on the kind of silence, you know, like silence alone, I don't think is power. Mm-hmm. because like an empty silence will just make you self-conscious it'll just put you yeah. in the headspace of thinking of like all right what do i do next mm-hmm. and and that's not a useful kind of silence <clears throat> excuse me but like i so here's like a really useful kind of silence uh um just like insult me give me any insult yeah your lewis your jacket looks like shit Yeah, <laughs> I love those where it's like attention. I got a, attention, and yeah. it, and it takes it, it's time for what you just said to actually like hit it to actually mean something to me. Yeah, and to me those are interesting silences. I like watching them. I like I like being in them because it it forces you to to. Yeah, meaning is the word. It forces that move to mean something to you, you know? So yeah. I like those. But I don't, like, I, I'm not a fan of silence just for the sake of right. silence. And, and sometimes silence can be a really inhibiting thing. Though I'm a big fan of starting in silence. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah. Because, I, mean, uh, uh, I mean, we spend most of our time in silence, honestly, throughout our day. I mean, if you codify how much we're talking to someone versus how much we're not talking to someone, I would say us not talking to someone would be three quarters of the day. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I just made up a statistic, but <laughs> let's say that's true. Uh, I'm thinking I have, a, I have a job where I look at my computer all day, and I sleep for eight hours. Yeah. So, And then I'm home alone a lot. So I'd imagine as far as communicating with people, it's actually a smaller part of my day. You're with your thoughts a lot. Uh, yeah. My thoughts a lot. So, yeah. What's, yeah, so then what's more... Um, connectable and engaging than someone in their thoughts on stage sure well it also gives you the chance to see that character and to draw a conclusion about them and to to get a feel for them and a lot of times like a lot of times improvisers want to make things super clear to each other and super clear to the audience right and they end up just throwing out ideas that don't mean anything. Totally. To like when you took that silence when I insulted your jacket, which actually for the listeners is a very nice jacket. Thanks. I, yeah, this, I, I, yeah, this is Sweet, my, this is it? my confidence. No, it's oh. a, it's a, uh, 
Uh, corduroy. Corduroy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I meant. Ooh, we. It's, pow- nice it's a power. Jacket. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I didn't want to insult it. it was no, that's cool. I, not I insultable. Yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> when you took that pause and you looked down and the way you said yes, you could have tried to describe your character in, instead of taking that silence. So instead of taking the silence, you could have been like, well, I thought it was nice, but I guess it is shitty. Yeah. Whereas when you acted it, it allowed me to have a more, I don't know, it was just so much more, I connected to that vibe so much harder. And I don't know if that's what you were going for, but it's like a character in a book. I don't like it when books are like, yeah, he was thinking that she was, you know. Yeah, right. I don't like that. Yeah, I like, totally. You know, he thought about the time that she spat on him. Totally. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, you piss away a lot of power in scenes when you try to explain everything. Right. So where is that balance? Because if you are playing too coy and you're just like, you know, mm, I don't think you're doing it, you know, and yeah. you're not like giving enough meat compared to like, you're not doing it right because I told you three days ago that this fly trap was set wrong. And mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Over explaining. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to think specific thoughts. You, um, so, you know, if you tell me that my jacket looks terrible, the first thing I want to do is look at my jacket and ask myself, does this really look terrible? And if it does look terrible, why? And the first thing I think about why is like, oh, yeah, it looks ratty because I wear it every single day. And why do I wear it every single day? Because I think it looks great on me. But now I realize it looks really shitty. And so that'll be – so that saying yes to you, for me, we come from a place of self-realization and embarrassment of like uh, – I got too cocky wearing this jacket. You're totally <laughs> right about that. I mean, like, I that's an interesting question because you're totally right. And coyness, I, I think, oftentimes comes from a place of, of weakness. It comes from wanting to play slow and take your time, but you don't really know what you're taking your time about. And so you're being coy in order to stall having to make a choice about something and yeah. in order to stall having to think your character's thoughts or really have a point of view. Um, whereas, like, I mean, my my goal is like I want to be alive and present the entire scene and as the scene goes on I want it to be revealed to me a little bit more at a time just exactly who the hell these people are and exactly what is driving them like for me a really successful scene can be the most boring location in the world but if by the end of that scene you you get an insight into what makes these people tick and into what's going on in their insides. Uh, I will tend to walk away feeling really satisfied by those, you know? Um, so like I, I, there's a metaphor that I use in classes a lot that I'm really fond of, which is thinking about a scene. I like this metaphor because you, I think you can kind of feel how it connects to a scene. It's a fire building a fire metaphor. So the idea is that when you're building a fire, there's three ingredients that are required. You need heat. You need uh, fluid and a you need a lighter fluid <laughs> and a lighter. Uh, you need a friend who knows how to build a fire. A friend who was a Boy Scout. Uh, I'm sorry. You need to just like live in an apartment. And not worry about stuff. You have to have a gas fireplace. You have a gas fireplace. Uh, um, you need a button that you can press yeah. for just a nurse to come and take care of all your needs. The clapper. Exactly. You'll clap. My living nurse. Yeah, yeah. That's what you need. You need good friends. Yeah. Um, that, that's. I've always think about improv that way. Have. 
better players. Have than better Dave. players. <laughs> yes, that's always my strategy. If a show didn't work, it's like I got to play with better people. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, I'm totally look garbage, better. but yeah, I yeah. play with great people. I look amazing when I play with really good people. Yeah. <laughs> Wasting my time playing with these assholes. Can I curse on this? Is that cool? Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah totally. Right, we love it. You encourage it. Oh, good, great. You should awesome. hear our theme song. <laughs> oh, uh, great. No, uh, 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 oh, fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, so those three, the three elements that you need for a fire, I think, are the same three elements that you need for a good scene. You need fuel, you need heat, and you need uh, air. And I feel like in in a scene, the heat will come out of how intensely you feel about what's going on, and will often come out of a certain friction that you give yourself. I'm I'm a big believer of creating limitations for yourself in scenes, so that by dealing with those limitations, you create an internal friction that gets you works you to a slightly emotional place uh, if you don't mind me i, I want to hear the rest of but what do you mean by creating internal limitations yeah like a, if you have an example from a recent show or okay something. um so so for me uh, i believe that a really critical moment in the scene is right after the initiation and the response that second moment where you're both taking each other in uh, when a scene goes wrong, probably eight times out of ten, it goes wrong in that moment. Mm. And it goes wrong because you'll see the improvisers not reinforce what they had originally started with. You'll see them let go of it in favor of explaining their dynamic or explaining their backstory or explaining wow. the game of their scene. That's gold. So a really simple way to overcome that is uh, like an exercise I, I play with people a lot is just a simple repetition exercise. So let's do this. So uh, uh, um, you and I are both going to play a scene together right now my, and we're going to have a line of dialogue uh, uh, a piece my line is no your line is come on okay that's all we get to say for the scene. We can use those lines multiple times, but that's all we get to say. And we don't want to play it like robots. We don't want to just do it back and forth. Right. And we don't want to do interesting line readings. So what I mean by interesting line readings is yeah. like, come on, come on, come on. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, very right. simply, you only speak when you feel the need to speak. So here's how it goes. So I'll start with no. Come on. No. Come on. No. No. So that's part one of that. Yeah. So now if I'm doing that in a class, the next thing I'll do is I'll I'll open it up where now after we have that little repetition, mm -hmm. each of us gets to create another line. Uh, uh, one more line. Oh, cool. So now we, what we're doing is we're building up a very simple script from the bottom up, one line at a time. And now when we have that second line, we can use either of the two lines that we've created for ourselves. So I'll give you another example of that. Now this time you get no, I'll get come on. Okay. Uh, we're just going to repeat it a few times and then we're going to kind of, we, we each will create a second line. So, so, okay. so come on. No. Come on. No. Come on. No. Talk to her. It's been too long. Talk to her. No. Come on. No. Talk to her. No. It's been too long. Come on. <laughs> no. So, like that. So then as it goes on, you'll now, yeah. you know. So all it does awesome. is it forces you at the beginning of a scene to not move past what you've already created together. It forces you to hold on to it, to make a pattern out of it. And so you can begin to find a game for yourself in that pattern. But even more than that as I'm thinking what the fuck is going on between us here by denying myself the opportunity to put that in a line of dialogue and simply repeat what I've already created mm -hmm. I bypass all of that stuff coming out of my mouth and it creates a little friction in me right now because I can't speak what I'm thinking so what it does is it puts me in a place where I am both 
feeling something towards you and I'm beginning to understand my own intention towards you too. So in this case, if it's like I'm trying to get my friend to just like pick himself up and fucking get over his shit. Now, knowing that, and that all just comes from like, come on, talk to her. Come on. I could play that for an hour if I had to, knowing that it's like I, I, have, I have a goal for the entire wow. scene right now. So that's a three-dimensional character workshop. Right <clears throat> totally. There. That was incredible. Yeah. It's, it's super, limitations are super useful. Uh, uh, I'm a big believer of them, of, of uh, um, hold your course. What are, what, like, I'm a big, big believer of the opening part of your scene being special and, and important. And it's very, very important that you hold on and explore what you created. Even if you don't know what you, why you're saying what you're yeah. saying. If you hold on to it, you'll figure it out. But if you try to clarify it, and that's usually where you see the yeah. scenes start to go sour, is so an improviser will go, no, come on. Then they'll look at each other for a second. They'll hold that slow moment. They'll have that quiet moment that you're talking about. And all both of them are thinking is, come on, what? No, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then one of them is going to say something along the lines of, it's just ever since you divorced your wife, I've really felt like it's super important that you go... And you explain it away, and now you've cheated it of all of its power. The very, yeah. the very thing that gives it power is the fact that you're both discovering, you're both feeling this thing under the surface eventually rise up into your shared consciousness, and you both realize what the intentions of these characters are. And when you realize it, usually it's a super powerful moment. It usually gets a laugh, and you both usually have a sense of what you have to do for the remainder of the scene. So you're able to find a game and also connect to a really strong, meaningful relationship and it's all just like focus on that limitation early on nice. wow now also when you mentioned that to me I absorb that as as really understanding your character's emotional point of view yeah how he really feels like i said towards someone yeah and then also really understanding their logical point of view yeah like what logically does he want to actually happen mm -hmm. in their moment mm -hmm. and then when you got those two figured out you've got almost the world figured out it's essentially. it's your what and your how and, and yeah. i believe your what and your how are i'm really big on on intentions these days and i'm really big on transitive verbs these days i've been reading some acting books and i've been finding it suddenly useful <clears throat> excuse me and so your what i believe is your intention it's your purpose in the scene what you're trying to get the other person to do sometimes not even the other person and how is just like that quality attached to it. So sarcastically or lovingly or whatever. And, and what I like about this is like, you're totally right. Like uh, you connect to an emotional point of view and you also connect to kind of more of a logic to it, but you connect to it first by feeling it. Mm. And then when you feel it, you suddenly realize it. And then it's very, you don't have to verbalize it. You don't have to be able to articulate what it is you can feel that it is giving you purpose in the scene. And that's wonderful because for me, that puts me back in a place where now I, I can let my intuition work. I can be kind of unconscious. I can, I can do things without questioning why I'm doing them and hope for the best. Sweet. It's also a great way to backdoor you out of your head, right? <clears throat> so when stuff sure. comes out naturally, it's because you weren't in your head. For you were, sure. You were where you were. You were absorbing what your emotional stance was at that point you're absorbing the moments you were feeling you're just absorbing that for sure and you can't be super like i said you can't ruin that tension you can't be lodged uh uh you, you can't explain it away because mm -hmm. you're, you're you're not in your head for sure you're 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 feeling it and immediately you're acting on it that's wow. what i like about that particular limitation is just repeating simply what you did is like so as soon as i'm like come on 
immediately I start to feel of like, oh, what am I doing right now? <laughs> and it's totally focused on you too. It's totally centered on you. And so I can have a lot of different tactics over the course of the scene to open you up to new experiences or to get you to step out of your own head. And I don't have to be a dick about it. I don't have to yell at you. I can, I can totally be like, you know, all right, you don't, you don't have to talk to her, but hey, you consider it for a second. Mm-hmm. That was a start. That was a big deal, man. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy another round for both of us. Nice. And I can become like a nice person about yeah. it, but I still totally know the intention behind that, which is I'm here for you, man. I, uh, I'm i trying to get you to live a little. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, but if you would have said that in the second line or third kills line. It. Yeah, it totally kills it. It's line. like telling everybody the punchline to a joke. And now it's like, okay, so now I can't enjoy the setup because I know exactly where it's going. Right. And people don't do that in real life. No. Like, I never reveal my intentions so blatantly and clearly. I th- in real life, I don't think you know your intentions verbally so blatantly and clearly. Oh, yeah. Completely. Right. You certainly feel them. Yeah. yeah. You can certainly feel... You know, if a beautiful woman walks into a bar and you just keep on looking at her, you certainly know that your intentions right now are to say things and do things with your friends that will grab that woman's attention and make her think that you're a fucking awesome dude. (laughs) You may not be able to verbalize that, but you'll certainly feel that that's what's going on. Yeah. So a lot of times, like, uh, you know, in real life, it hasn't reached that conscious place yet where we're putting it into words. And in scenes, when you see that happen, it makes it feel a little bit unbelievable sometimes. So I, I do like that though because it does give it gives the scene a little like grip, a little friction. Yeah, totally. You know? So if that's the friction and that's the heat, heat. what's the air? Air is uh, shutting the hell up <laughs> and letting things happen. So I'll give you another example. Give me another. Uh, give me a compliment, preferably something that's not actually about me in real life. Just a compliment uh, yeah. to my character. Character, uh, you're looking good. You've been hitting the gym. Yeah, that's. Well, you sound upset you've been hitting the gym. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, but I had a little heart scare thing. Oh, my God. Are you right. okay? I'm oh, fine. I'm fine. But it was like a little... I was in... Was it a, what was it? <sighs> I won't ask any more questions if you don't want me to. No, no. I'll talk about it. Just let's keep this between you and me because I yeah. haven't said any. I haven't mentioned anything to Franny. And I don't Franny know, doesn't know? You no. Know. All right. Yeah, if you tell, I, I won't tell her. Thanks. I won't tell anyone. Was it a heart attack? So <laughs> that, yeah. those quiet moments where you're letting that information breathe. So, so, it, so if you think of the fuel, the logs, you know, right? Your logs are your gifts. It's in, it's details. It's information that are helping to make stuff specific. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times in scenes, you'll see people keep on throwing in more gifts where it's completely unnecessary. So if you think about how you build a fire in real life, you got to generate heat. You got to feed it a lot of small light kindling that burns up quick. And as you're feeding a kindling, all you're doing is getting it hotter and hotter. But the hotter it gets, now you start feeding it larger pieces of wood, which would mean a bigger gift. But the thing with larger pieces of wood is you throw a big log into a hot fire, and now you don't throw any more logs in. You let that burn, and it burns for a while. And the reason why it's burning is because you're letting it breathe and eat away. And so... I you want to do the same thing in scenes and a lot of times I will see um or I will do uh I'm saying like I see it like I don't do it I like I do every fucking dumb mistake that everybody does but uh um um 
either some people who are more inclined and they tend to be visual thinkers or they tend to be kind of kinesthetic thinkers. I really like your Bill's breakdown of like visual kinesthetic and, and verbal thinkers. I, I, right. I, I believe that different styles of thinking and different styles of, you know, of improvising. Um, people who tend to be kinesthetic or tend to be visual will oftentimes become very quiet in scenes. And so they're giving a lot of air, but not enough fuel. And so the heat that's in the scene will die down. Right. People who tend to be verbal will oftentimes keep on yes-anding a lot of times because they're just following the instruction of a teacher that they respect. And, and so they're practicing the skill of yes-anding, which in itself is a good skill. But they keep on feeding more shit into the fire, which is the scene, and it ends up choking the scene. Plenty of heat, uh, uh, beautiful gifts, really great information, but you're choking the scene to death with all the information. And so it's a thing of like, as you learn information and you learn stuff about yourself, and now I know in this I'm married, I'm worried about her. You and I are friends, but we haven't spoken intimately. Right. I'm going to shut the fuck up for a while. And that's where going to environment is really useful if I know where I am, because as I'm shutting up, I'm just letting all the stuff that was said feed whatever fire I'm feeling, which might be the fire of like, all right, I feel shitty. I have to go to a gym. And also between you and me, I'm scared to death. Once it happens once now, you just, I mean, you're up half the night thinking of like, I could, this can happen at any time, Mm. you know? And so like, I want to feel that for a while. And that's where you want the scene to breathe. That's where it's like all the fuel that we've put into it and all the gifts we've given, let them burn. You know what I mean? Let the fire consume them. It gets the fire hotter, but it also lets you feel, all right, this is who I am. And, and this is how I feel about myself. And this is how I feel about you. And it just lets you live the scene and be the scene rather than explain the scene to everybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Definitely. And that could lead into maybe my character. What's up with him? Totally. It's like funny you, you know, it's funny you brought that or not, not it's funny you brought that up. But it's like, huh, you don't say health scare, you know, I'm having a little thing myself, you know, or something like that. Whatever feeds into wherever it goes on next, you know. Can I ask you a question? Uh, yeah. Have you been able to... Uh, well... Have you made love I tried. recently? Yeah, yeah, no, while I tried... Um, no. The answer is no. Yeah, me neither. God, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Uh, I'm running out of excuses to give to Franny for... She thinks I don't find her attractive anymore. I find her very attractive. I, yeah. I'm terrified. I know I'm going to come and I'm going to die. I am going to ejaculate and my heart is going to stop. I don't know why I don't. I like. I don't have any physical. Maybe it is a physical. I don't know why I can't get it up. I find her very attractive. Terror. It's terror. It's, it's a- abject terror as you face your mortality. Let me tell you something. All those guys that died at 27, you yeah. know, they had something on the ball. I mean, yeah, they were dumbasses, but yeah. they had something on the ball. You don't have to worry about this shit. What good is living to a ripe old age when you spend every fucking day of your life worrying about the next moment? Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, commitment's why my dick's not hard. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Hey, another seltzer for this yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, with a lemon, please. Yeah, please. Oh, yeah, no lemon ice. in mine, too. Lemon is really, it's good. It detoxes you. Oh, my God. It keeps oh, yeah. me regular. That's like another thing. Taste. I don't want to die when I'm shitting. <laughs> Your heart, you know what I mean? Like I do want to die. <laughs> you do? That's the thing I've had. Are you like, being serious? Yeah. I wanna... uh, no, I made my character. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I... fuck, why not? I mean, you well, shit when you die anyway, don't you? When you die, doesn't your sphincter release? And yeah, you do. You it, definitely. definitely. Yeah. But it's a very common place to have a heart attack when you're shitting. Yeah. Is it I just try to tension? relax. I just uh, try to relax. You got to let it happen. 
You just you can't just like that. improv. Don't you can't it. force it. Don't, can't don't push. force it. Have you ever watched somebody improvise and it Take looks it looks it? like they're they're pushing out a hard shit? Like yeah. They're, oh yeah. It, like it doesn't. And don't you feel like you just want to like hold them and tell them everything's going to be okay? Like it doesn't have to be. If it's you know, don't worry if it's not coming out right now. It'll come. Yeah. It'll happen. Relax. You're gonna, Relax. You're gonna pull. You're gonna drop a lug. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so in this, as we're playing this, I would, uh, I at first, for me, the sense of intention behind the scene is, oh, like uh, we're reassuring the other person. We're finding in the other person the opportunity to unload our fears with each other. Yeah. And so now it's like, oh, do more of that. Yeah. actively yeah. do more of that find yeah. more ways to do that and as you explore that that'll lead on to your next intention which maybe as we explore this scene and we get fed up with like i'm tired of living my life like a fucking like this yeah. i get i'm not gonna live like a prisoner we might end up going to f- a brothel vegas, or, yeah, or, or vegas yeah. or you know what i mean like it can go any number of interesting places and it's all because we both have an intention and an involvement with each other and and so we're able to move forward on it and and moving forward with the scene I believe comes out of a place of know what you're doing and do more of it until it grows, until it evolves to the next moment that you want to be in. I think also something we had without ever labeling it was the fact that I thought that you and me were good old friends. Totally. We haven't seen each other in a while. Totally. It's been a couple of weeks, maybe. Totally. Uh, but we're old friends. Mm-hmm. So this is like a this is like we're allowed to share this, and we haven't said this in a while. It's been bottling up. Oh, yeah. You know? So yeah. now we have a relationship without ever explaining what that relationship was. Yeah. We just showed what that relationship was yeah. by letting, um, like I said, letting that heat and letting the, let, it, let it air out a little bit and then feeding a log here and there. Yeah. And, that, and then there you go. You got a relationship. You've got your emotional point of view. You got your logical what you're going for. Yeah. You got um. You got everything's like a snowball going down a mountain. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Rolling into the larger snowball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> snowballing. It's a great Sorry. picture. Yeah. It's good metaphor. <laughs> <That's laughs> a smaller snowball it rolls, rolls into, into and then we got snowball. the Vegas. May, say we're in a form. Maybe Vegas is a third beat. Right. Or maybe Vegas is uh, some other. Yeah. Maybe that comes later. Yeah. I, I would. I would want to do Vegas as a second beat. I'd want to see what happens after Vegas. Yeah. I would hope that one of us died <laughs> and the other one is in the ambulance holding the other one's hand and being like, you know what? It was fucking worth it, man. And I've been cheating. I've been sleeping with Franny. I fucking you <laughs> fuck. I gotta get somewhere, man. Uh, God bless you. <laughs> I just cheapened everything. I just hey, cheapened the whole three beats. You know what? <laughs> Don't talk anymore. <laughs> Isn't that super fun? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, great. yeah. it's great. Cool, what a great man. way to tie, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like, uh, um, and so, like, with the coy thing, that can be helpful because a lot of times when you're watching somebody be coy, uh, they're not taking care of any of those things in the scene. They're not, they're not um, attached to their emotional perspective, mm-hmm. so letting the scene get cold. They're tiptoeing around the scene. It, it, coyness will oftentimes come out of uncertainty and out of a fear of not knowing the right thing to do. And so people will get kind of sarcastic or ironic. And a very simple thing with coy is like, give a gift. You know what I mean? Yeah. Provide some information. Make Let's feed this a little bit. You know, any whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Let, let's feed this. We know, we know where the fire is. Let's give it some fuel. Yeah, definitely. Uh, going back a little bit, there's one thing I, I did want to bring back up was uh, that you say that you have to give yourself, if you're in your head and if you're maybe just a little low on the improv confidence scale, yeah. you give yourself a little task to complete it and be like, yeah, you know, get your confidence up so that you can get up out of your head yeah. and just play from your unconscious, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, what what, adv- what advice uh, do you have to, 
to get to that unconscious place. Because if you just like throw yourself up there on stage and start acting willy nilly, I mean, there's not a lot of form that, not a lot of structure in that. And the scene won't be good. And you will oftentimes end up feeling more rather than less self conscious with that. Right. So, how do you, how do you personally get to that stage of flow? Yeah. Um, um, I will normally do one of three things. Um, I will normally either move, um, meaning I'm feeling in my head, so I'm going to go across the stage and sit down someplace, Mm. or I'm going to go across the stage and look out a window, move my body, um, and then maybe return to where I was originally. So at least I'm creating some kind of simple physical pattern that I can play out, and I have something now to explore physically. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that when I'm in my head, I'm, I'm in a very measured space and I'm going to be very critical of any ideas that come out. I'm going to think any ideas are really stupid idea. Mm -hmm. And so, (coughs) excuse me, if I, uh, um, kind of lean forward, like I'm looking at something and then lean back and lean forward again, it'll be something very, very simple that I can just kind of explore a little bit that hopefully will give me a feeling. Cool. Um, so I might try that. I might try confessing something about myself to my scene partner. I haven't spoken to my dad in three years. Oh my and, god! Yeah, I said some things I regretted, and I might heighten that a little bit just to kind of throw it out there and maybe be like, I shouldn't be talking to you about this, or you know, I might go like, hold that thought about my dad. <laughs> You know, um, um, or another thing, I, Mick Napier has an exercise in his book that I, I really enjoy, uh, uh, which is like, I'll reach for something mm-hmm. and I'll yeah. hold something and not know what it is, like deliberately and almost perversely not know what it is just because it puts you in a thing where as you're sitting here, uh, um, you kind of begin your hands begin to have like a little tiny sense of of what may be in there and what it does is it makes me feel more specific so instead of feeling like an improviser who doesn't know what to do i feel like a specific person who might be lost and now i can use a feeling of lostness instead of being a um a deterrent to play i can start to just have a thing of like Oh, immediately hold. I don't even know what the hell I have in my hands right now. Yeah, it looks but, like a comp- I don't, compass or a, a locket. Or yeah, something a like that. Cube, a uh, tiny Rubik's cube. Maybe I, <laughs> a beef sandwich. <laughs> I, uh, you know what I feel? I don't know what's in my hands, but as I'm sitting here, I feel like I'm sitting by myself at an airport. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's what just comes to my mind, and so like. For me, stuff like that works. Of like a little tiny thing in my hand. If I don't rush, wanting to know what it is, I just have it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it won't actually reveal what's in my hand, but I'll suddenly, again, it snaps a visual thing. I'll suddenly start seeing in my mind's eye what's around me, and that's super useful for me because yeah. then – and this takes a little bit of patience. It takes a little bit of of trusting that it's like it's okay if nobody laughs at me for the next three minutes. <laughs> I am – funny enough that i know in three minutes something really funny is going to happen right but right now i don't want to rush into it because i'm still feeling lost but what i'm doing right now is as i'm holding this that feeling of being lost is now beginning to transfer itself into this imaginary environment of an airport and i suddenly have a feeling like i'm 11 years old and we're going to greece 
my parents have sent me off to go visit a family member in Greece and now it's just my first time traveling by myself and I'm just kind of trying to suck up the courage to be a man. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really simple thing. What's interesting about that is you're filling in those blanks in, from the inside out. Yes. Nothing about that was clever. You're not like, oh, I know it would be a great scene having yes. a little kid lost in an airport. Where right. could he be going? It right. was all very personal. And right. When you said it, it was coming that's, from a... That's, the, that's like, to me, that's a great shortcut into your muscle memory mm -hmm. and your subconscious. Yeah. Uh, again, getting out yourself your out of your head. Yeah. I'm going to hold something, and then it, without you knowing, it probably in your mind and somewhere in your subconscious is taking you to a moment where that happened before. <clears throat> And then you just know what that is, and then your emotional brain is smarter than your logical brain. Yes. So it just tells you what's happening, and then just follow it, and yeah. it's correct. And did, have you guys ever read David Lynch's book, uh, Catching the Big Fish? No, but it's gone it's on my list. Yeah. David Lynch's big... You guys know David Lynch? Yeah, director of Racerhead, Racerhead among others. among others, yeah. <laughs> Racerhead, I saw Racerhead for the first time when I was in high school. I went with my video club with Megan Gray, my girlfriend. We, oh, were, yeah. in, we were in video clubs. Oh, my God. So cute. <clears throat> we went to the Museum of Moving Image on a trip with our video club and saw Racerhead oh, for the first Astoria? time. Out in Astoria. Oh, nice. I uh, uh, saw it in a theater the way it's meant to be seen. Nice. I, that is a unique experience so for trippy. anybody to... If you ever get the chance to see a Racerhead in a movie theater, <laughs> do it. Because do it. you can't leave. <laughs> when the thing is when your eraser head is, has yeah. a really funky specific rhythm and so if you're watching it at home you it's easy to shut it off cuz you know yeah. but if you're in a theater with a bunch of people watching it you can't leave and you have to let it start operating on you and and it feels <laughs> like you're experiencing a nightmare it's a really amazing movie anyway it's relevant uh, um, <laughs> uh, so he wrote a book he's big into transcendental meditation mm -hmm. so he wrote a book called Catching the Big Fish and in the, in the book he talks a lot about how we have a lot of ideas in the surface level of our mind which are mostly just a regurgitation of shit that are around us all the time right. and he likens them to kind of small fish that are swimming in the shallows and he's like if you want to nice. if you want to have interesting ideas you got to go out deep and kind of wait for the big fish to come on up and the big beautiful weird fish um um and so like anything like that of like having like a little tiny whatever the hell i'm holding in my hand or like giving myself a little physicality or like I, a face like this for some reason when i don't know what to do in scenes i will oftentimes play a character who can't bend his neck i'll just move my whole torso <laughs> and just for me it all it does is it's fun all it does is puts me in a body that I'm having fun in, and so I don't really give a shit where the scene is going. I'm just enjoying being in this person's body. For me, all of that stuff, little physicality or a face or a little object that you're holding onto, is like baiting the hook. That's yeah, all that is. It's yeah. putting a little bait on the hook, <laughs> and I'm letting whatever fish wants to grab that bait come up. And for me, as I'm holding this, and again, it's still, uh, for whatever reason, as you know what this feels like to me, this little cube in my hands, which mm -hmm. people listening to this podcast can't see at all. Yeah. This feels like a, what do you call it when you play pool? The chalk? The like chalk, a, yeah. The pool feels chalk. like I'm holding a little thing of chalk. Now, regardless of the fact that I feel like I'm holding a thing of, of pool chalk, cube chalk, whatever the hell I call right. it, I still feel like I'm sitting in an airport and I still feel like I'm 12 years old. What's oh. the relationship between the, the, the pool chalk and, and the airport? I have not the foggiest idea, but it's something I'm going to trust. If that image comes to me, I'm definitely going to hold on to at least the feeling of it. And for me, that's a fish has just swum up 
and has caught the bait. So now it's like, all right, now I'm in this airport until somebody says I'm not in an airport, until somebody says that I'm in the principal's office, which is fine because I know how I felt in that airport. I feel lonely. I feel unsure of myself. So I just transfer that to the school principal's office. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so that's all those to get at to answer your question a long fucking way. The question you asked 45 minutes ago, uh, uh, um, (laughs) give myself one thing. For me, it will either be a face, a confession, a little tiny object that I may or may not know yeah. what I'm holding, and just hold on to it and, and allow it to to become the bait for not an idea for a scene, but the bait for a sudden realization of what is surrounding me. What and I, I I'm I think when I'm good, this does not happen all the time, but when I'm good, when it's working, I'm kind of. I will find scenes from the inside out, meaning it won't start inside me of like, here's a great idea for a scene. It will start with like, I'm at an airport and, and, uh, the gate is open and I, and I don't know if I want to go through the gate and then I'll look at you and I'll see that you're looking at me expectantly and I'll know that I'm, you're my, you're my dad and I'm going to let you down if I don't go through this. And so a little bit at a time, my surroundings will start to give me a sense of what's going on. And then I'll kind of slowly, uh, uh, ease into that world. And yeah. so when it really works, um, and you got to play with people who really trust letting <laughs> the shit take its time. But when it really works, you find a place where suddenly 10 minutes into the show, you're just in this pretend and you don't have to think about where to go with it. You just are mm-hmm. in it and, and you're letting it happen to you. And, and it's a total act of trust. It's an act of faith, you know? Yeah. I, I always look at it. That's a very, that's great. I always look at it very externally where I'm just like, my character already knows what's going on. Just me as an improviser, I just have to catch up. Totally. Oh, that's you know, a great way to think I about just it. Gotta, they know. They yeah. always know. I just have to know what they know. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. And, 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 and hold, have enough faith in yourself that it, will, it comes to you on a need-to-know basis. That you're not going to see the whole thing immediately, and that's fine. Yeah. That's okay. Um, you don't need to panic and fill in the blanks, you know? I, I really like TJ and Dave's approach of, like, it's already here. We just yeah. need to reveal what it is. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that when I'm teaching classes a lot, uh, uh, of, like, the difference between, like, a painter and a sculptor, where, like, with a sculptor, with a painter, it's a blank canvas, and you have a bunch of colors, and now you have to fill that with ideas. You gotta, you have to create what's there. Whereas, like, with the sculpture, there's already this thing that's in front of you. You just have to let it out. And a lot of times in, in scenes, I'll, if a scene feels really nerve-wracking or self-conscious, it's because I'm looking at a blank canvas and, and I feel like I'm a letdown to my friends, my family, and God above <laughs> because I'm not smart enough or funny enough to fill it with something great. Uh-huh. But if we just start in a place where we can just check in with each other and slowly get a sense of connection and all you just both where it's amazing and it feels like magic is where the two of us suddenly feel the same contours under the surface of what we're experiencing. And we both realize together of like, Oh, this is what is happening right now. And usually when that revelation comes out, it, it, people go crazy for it. Yeah. Just to get on the same page, the audience just loves it. Well, I, I also, so, so, um, I believe that there are certain things about improv that are ex- 
exclusive to improv that only work when you're watching improv and don't mm -hmm. work in any other form of comedy or entertainment. And one of those things is the way that you involve an audience's imagination with what you're doing. And, and this doesn't happen a lot, but on rare occasions where like both performers in the scene and the audience see the same picture together at the same time, um, it's like an act of magic. It's like everybody in the room just saw you pull a rabbit out of a hat. It's just something appears out of nothing. And what it came out of was the two of you planted yourselves and connected and you invoked this subterranean thing to appear in the mind of the audience. You yeah. pinged their imagination and suddenly their imagination woke up and it filled in this negative blank space with details. They saw it. And when you see it, you feel like a kid. It, it has that same feeling of like when a kid has a shoe but they're playing with the shoe like a spaceship and, and mm -hmm. you suddenly see a spaceship around it. Yeah. It, yeah. It's that thing of like, oh, all of a sudden, and this sounds maybe a little new agey, but there's you, there's me, and there's the audience, and we're all experiencing the same pretend thing together. We all see it in our mind's eye, and it feels like magic. It feels like we're all inhabiting the same mental space briefly. For the next 30 minutes, we're all... We all opened up our, our mental back doors and found that there's a common area that we can all hang out yeah. in together. And that's something where it's beyond just funny. It's beyond just good game playing or, or you know, it's it, it's just a feeling that I makes people involved with what you're creating on stage. And it's something that I don't you don't really see anywhere except in the magic act of improvising with people of really right. letting this thing grow and, and be discovered together. Yeah, it's it's like the audience is is, is merging into the group mind of the performers. For sure, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. It's a little. It's a little. It's not. It's related and unrelated at the same time. I was sitting in an audience of an improv show the other day. For some reason, I had the overwhelming urge to hope that two audience members said the same exact suggestion at the same time. Yeah, I thought that would have been so cool. I think that that's happened close. That that's almost happened, but I think the reason it happened was I thought of something. And while I was thinking of, of, of something, a woman down the row from me said what I was, what I was, what I was thinking. Yeah. And it was great. And I would just, really wish I just blurted it out. It's one of those moments where it's like, how, how did that happen? Why yeah. did two people say the same thing at the same time? Yeah. Me merely a suggestion. And I think there is something like in the whole environment of an improv show, there's this weird sort of group connection going on. Yeah. We don't really know what's going on. We don't really get it. Um, but it's beautiful. I yeah. agree with you. You're not going to get that reading a book. You're not going to get that watching a movie with a bunch of people or watching a play because a play is already pre-written. Uh, you're going to, yeah, I think that's very exclusive to improv. I, I don't know it. what it is, it, you know, but like Dell talked about it with his, you know, the gestalt mind and all that, you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, the inter interconnections of group thinking. Like I, I, uh, Dell is an interesting character to me largely because he had those periods where he was approaching improv as more of an experiment in group consciousness totally. than comedy. Yeah. It was more like, what? how can you actually tune brains into a frequency together and what happens when you do? And I've definitely, you know, not to make any grandiose pronouncements, but like I've definitely had moments like I did a show with Megan Gray one time where where I just happened to name that her ex-husband, who she had recently divorced, was named Walter. 
And after the show, she was like, what made you think Walter? And I was like, I don't know, it just popped into my head as I was talking. And she was like, Walter was the name of the ex-husband in the book that I just finished reading this week. Mm-hmm. And so, like, every now and again, you have those moments where it's like, oh, I think your thought just popped into my head. <laughs> and it wasn't a thought from a shared experience. It was yeah. just, I think I think a, a, a fish from your swim under some little subterranean channel and just sort of came up in my in my it caught my bait yeah you know what i mean like it and again like i don't know if it's real or what it means but every now and again it'll happen and and it does it's just kind of like that's it's just it's psychedelic man it's groovy you know (laughs) far out yeah on that note is it time let's it's time time to improvise rocking cool uh so uh, you play with the boss regularly right yes you guys just take a word and go essentially uh yes um uh, though going for us will oftentimes mean a little bit of a slow start. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But yeah. I meant like there's no opening as far as it no, like no. A, we'll yeah. just go right into a scene. Yeah. Okay. Still uh, waiting for that guest whose group does sound and movement <laughs> openings. <laughs> um, uh, at the Magnet, Chet Watkins does sound and movement openings. Oh, yeah. awesome. I applaud them for it because nobody ever really likes doing it. I oh, know. Did yeah. the Brick do it? The Brick did it for a while too, right? <clears throat> yeah, Brick is experimenting with they, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I've heard a great soundscape. It'd be fun if we do a good soundscape here one day. Maybe yeah. that's the podcast equivalent of a sound and movement. I think. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, on that, uh, let's take a word. I've got a little Suggestifier app here on my phone. Oh, the three of us playing together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that okay? okay? Yeah, great. All right. Love it on. All right. Let's <clears throat> see if I get my phone to work here. <laughs> Suggestifier app. I should call them. And is that the name? Suggestifier? It's called Suggestifier app. It's giving me a question. I'm going to go back. Does it just generate suggestions for you? Yeah, it's got everything. Well, it's got like, uh, what do we got here? Character, location, emotion, interview questions what I had on. It does openings for you, apparently. I'm going to do a simple word. My suggestion is rain. Rain, great. Rain. rain. God, isn't just a rainy day. I just don't want to get out of bed, you know. It's time for work. We're going to, you said last night that we were going to carpool to work together, honey. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Do you guys like me to step outside? No, no, stay here. Stay here, Rick. I want you to watch this. God, just hear that. You can hear the, uh, you can hear all the rain droplets on the window. Blah, 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 blah. I love it. Just bring me back to my childhood in England. But Sebastian, it's time for work. We're going to be late. Uh, it's, yeah, no, no, let me put my, let me put my pants on. If you guys want me to wait outside, it's okay. No, please stay. It's fine. Where have you seen my? Uh, have you seen the blue underwear that I like? Did you look in your top drawer? Top drawer. No, thank you. Ah. yeah, it's right here. I, I mm. Rick, uh, you're going to say something. I I don't go for colored underwear myself. I I like just simple. <clears throat> what? The whitey tidies? The cotton hanes are fine with me. Um, would have taken you for more of a boxer brief type of guy, Rick. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You go. You go kayaking. That's not a very brief thing to do. I also I, thought boxer brief. I wear a bathing suit when I kayak. I don't do any underwear on that. But I, you know what it is about the boxer, the the the, um, the briefs, the jockeys, guys. I, I, it, it, it just gives me. It's there's like an orderly thing to it. I put it on and it's like okay. Um, focused i'm here for i'm here for work i'm you know i'm here to accomplish well, at least somebody's here from work just give me a second put my shoes on <clears throat> i can really go downstairs if you guys want me rick to. we're all gonna carpool together don't worry just what 
Do you want to go? To, if you want to go downstairs, you can go downstairs. Well, I don't, but... It seems like there's a little bit of tension between you guys. And I don't Sebastian, wanna... you know that I have a presentation today, okay? I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But I wanted time to set up. I wanted time to get a nice salad. It's 11 a.m. It's not salad time. Salad. Like... Fine. I'll get you a salad. Rick, do you like salad? Yeah, salad's okay. I don't eat salad in the morning. Well, yeah, I, I normally just do coffee in the morning. It just keeps me focused. I don't like to have too much in my stomach in the morning. Oh yeah, that's okay. I like a good, uh, like a good bowl of um, uh, cinnamon toast crunch. Honestly, uh, Sebastian, uh, stop what? chatting. I'm putting my other shoe on. Don't worry about it. You've made us late I've, too many times. To- I told you last night, don't make us late. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then I said, "We'll said- see." Or we'll see. We're seeing, and I don't care. Oh, I thought I'll you said be ten see. minutes. Huh? I thought you said see. Yeah, we'll see. Like we'll see tomorrow. Hey, hey, you know what, guys? Yes. I, I was at um, I was at William Sonoma the other day, and and uh, you know I went through your registry, and and I, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna I think you're gonna like what I when I got you. Really? Yeah. Don't spoil it. Well, I'm not gonna spoil it, but I got you something that is on your registry. But I also I, there's a little surprise in there too, so that's, that's something to look nice. forward to. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I know you, Rick, always with the surprises. I yeah, know you, man. I think I think I've something. I think I can guess. I think I've got a little inkling into maybe what that might be. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe what do you think it is? Yeah, no, uh, Cindy, you'll figure out. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I don't like uh, surprises. Right, right, Rick. I am looking at you. Yeah, you know, yeah, no? I see you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, maybe I don't. I don't really know what you're communicating to me right now. Yeah, it's okay. Great. Yeah. Hey, honey, have you seen my the the green shirt I like? The green button up. The one I got uh, Kohl's with a gift card. So like a ten a ten dollars shirt I like. Where is it? You're such a slob, but I love you. <laughs> so a uh, great session, Rick. That was a fucking great ass river we just kayaked down. Yeah. Thought we could uh maybe I don't know, change out of this uh change out of this water wear and hit hit up the bar. You're not oh. afraid if I change in front of you, are you, Rick? Uh, well, no, I'm not afraid, no. Right, I'm going to whip Definitely. my swimsuit off. Oh, yeah, Got my uh, yeah, Under Armour boxer briefs on. <coughs> Brand new. From the missus for Great. Christmas. Very decisive, very bold action. Yeah. Hey, uh, I don't want to harp on this. I don't, don't want to make you feel uncomfortable here, Steve. But uh, um, what makes you think that it's okay? Just give me a little bit of insight into the psychology of a person that feels that it's cool to just take your pants off in front of another person. I, I, well, I got my boxer briefs. Well, that's my... fine. It's okay. But I mean, I what, just like it, you could, there's a there's foliage that you can go behind just as a common courtesy. No, I'm not offended. I'm not offended. Don't get me wrong. But I just I just want to know what makes you think. What am I giving off? That's making people think that it's okay to be pantsless around me. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I've been coping with a lot of pantslessness in my life recently. Just like like a lot of it. Oh, I, you know what? Now that you brought it up, you're a very personable guy, Rick. I, um, I guess I trust you. You know? You're in my inner circle without me even really knowing you. Sir, 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 sorry, this is an emergency. I know you don't know me, but can you help me back here in a moment? Yeah, please, what's sir, wrong? Please, it's, please yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, what's please, up? Yeah. Come here. What's sorry, wrong? Sorry, I, I just, I, I, have to, I have to get out in a cab in just a few minutes. I was wondering if you could help me hem my pants real quick. Is there a way maybe you could just hold, if you could hold, uh, if you could hold the top seam of my pants? I just need to measure it real quick, and i got to run to a meeting. And, but I have to get these pants measurements done by the end of the day, or else I won't be able to send any order to get, to get, to get the trimmings done to get my pants. But Sorry, I just... 
No, okay, but no, no, no. Hey, hey, relax. <laughs> Calm down. Hey, wait, wait, relax, <laughs> relax. It's going to be okay. I'll help you. Can you help me out? Yeah, I got it. Cool. Hold on. I'm going to put down for a second. All right. Here, thank you so much. That's no, so fine. Can you put your hand down under my inseam? It's okay. Yeah, no, of course. You're yeah. not going to see me. This is our only one time. It's fine. It's better to do this with strangers, am I right? All right, put your hand in my inseam there. What here, What measurement are you getting? How much is that? I, 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 if I had to guess, I, I don't know, maybe... Oh, here's, here's a measuring tape. Sorry. You have one on you? Yeah. It's, uh-huh. Okay, well, it's exactly three and a half inches there. There. Three. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Three. Can I ask you a question? Uh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Having... Real quick. I got to get out of here. Oh yeah. Of course. I'll keep it really quick. Having seen me just talking with my buddy over there for like less than a second. Right. Was your main read on me that I'm just a really personable, easily approachable person? Yeah, honestly, you were just the nearest guy next to me. Hold on, let me take off my pants real quick. You were just the guy who was next to me. I thought he could help me. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, no problem. Hey, listen, a little bit of unasked for advice, okay? Next sure. time you have a really pressing thing to do, you know, don't come to the river. Just go to that. It's like save the river. <laughs> you want a full day. All right. For river, you know what I mean? Like, but if this you're kayak, man's warehouse is the best men's I warehouse. I believe it. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It's in the woods by it's the river. Whatever. My it's favorite fine. men's warehouse. I got to go because it's like a 15-hour car ride. Good luck. Peace. Oh, I don't know, Jacob. I, I really, I, we got the investors, and I've read over your business plan. The, the location is just tripping me up. Really, I'm, I'm totally in on this. Totally in. If I can interrupt you for a second, Jacob, sure. I read your business plan, too, and I want to say to you that I get your vision. Thank I see you. what you're going for. Who, what's in these days? Bears. Everyone's talking about bears. The kids are, are crazy. Kids are about crazy bears. about bears. Yogi Bear. Yogi Winnie bear. the Pooh Bear. And a myriad other bears. Bears are the boo next boo. hot thing. It's the pattern. Boo-boo bear. Boo-boo bear. They didn't need a boo-boo bear. They had a yogi bear. Yogi. They created a boo-boo bear because the demand was so high. Yeah. I understand this. Bears equal customers. Yeah. Bears, if we put it in the woods, people will be want among the bears, and they're going to buy more suits uh, since we've been selling them since the 80s. More suits if we put it in the woods. I'm telling you, this is going to save men's warehouse. You think? Because, I mean, I... Solve what the, what the slogan you're going to put over the door is. I was at the print shop, and I saw it, and it says, Bears Welcome. I love it. Yeah, and now, it's I spelled little... B-A-R-E. Yeah. Apostrophe S. I love it. B-A-R-E. And I'm, I'm just wondering, because I've done a lot of research on the bears. It just seems like at certain nightclubs that being a bear kind of intimates that you're a homosexual guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. No, oh, you I guys know. going for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did I... Homosexual gay men live in the woods. That's been my research. What do you think we were talking about? I thought we were very clear about the new direction we're going into here with Men's Warehouse. Yeah. Well, if that's the direction we're going to go into. I signed I, a contract with the uh, Park Service. Uh, Rangers are also going to work for Men's Warehouse. We're going to split the salary in half. We're gonna cut our, We're gonna have to pay him twenty G a year. Amazing. The Park Service will pay the other twenty. Who are we gonna get? What gay men are we gonna get out by the river? The ones That's that are I'm already saying. there. The river. Where, where are they? They're in the river. They're not. They're not by. If I could be a little stereotypical for a second with my research, they're not hanging out at truck stops no more. They're out in the woods with the real bears. Here's the best part about the men's warehouse in the woods: impossible to find. No one can find it. It's like a secret restaurant. It creates high demand. Yeah. Have you heard about these dining clubs among the super wealthy? No. 
there are dining clubs among the super wealthy where they get together once every six months to eat an animal on the endangered species list. But here's the kick. Yeah. No one knows where in the world this group is going to meet. You have to be in the know. And they pay over $100,000 a plate for this because it's so exclusive. Okay. Well, I want to do some quick calculations. If no one knows that we're here, then the pricing that we're going to have to implement... Somewhere around ten to twenty-five thousand dollars. Absolutely. Person. Okay. Is, yes. All right. Cool. Cool. We just need one person <sighs> to buy one purchase. To buy one person. The, the real estate's cheap. I gotta gotta really uh, give you guys my hats off for that. Really cheap real estate. We're not paying a dime in real estate. No. It literally. Wow. It's donated by a nonprofit park service. Hmm. <coughs> man. Thank you, Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Thank you, Forest Preservation Act. Mmm, mmm. This is really good sloth. Have you had some of the sloth? Uh, no, let me try some. There you go. Mmm. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Mm. Really reminds you of those uh, bonobos we had a few oh, months yeah. ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Let me have a little more. Oh, sure. Mmm. So, you guys, uh, you guys really enjoying how I prepared that sloth? Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you guys think about the rice? Oh, wild rice? Yeah. Every kind of rice. Yeah, you can't go wrong with wild rice. Spent a lot of time on that rice. Oh, you can taste the passion that went into it. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Did this sloth suffer? Well, I mean, there's really no other way to prepare meat like this other than to just stick it right in the oven. So mm. nice. I'm hoping maybe, you know, maybe two or three minutes. Great. But that's it. Fabulous. Tastes like it. You can really taste the fear of the sloth. Yeah. Literally. I know that now. But you guys, uh, you guys really liking the rice? The rice, the rice, the rice is not. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't like the rice as much as I like the sloth. I hope that's okay. <coughs> I really like the sloth. I would say I like the rice and the sloth equally. Thank you. Though, if I had to, if you had to pick a fave, and please don't just say what your favorite is. I'm not here, basically. <sighs> you like the rice? I'd probably go with the rice. Thank you. It's great rice. Seriously? Thank you, Matthew. It's great rice. Well, these green beans suck. Oh. Would you agree with that or disagree? I think the green beans were meant to suck, to offset the rice and the fearful sloth. Part of my vision is to make some of your palate disgusted mm-hmm. so that when you arrive to the rice, right. that it's ready to fill up your palate with taste. I was wondering why there was vastly more rice in my plate than sloth. Mostly rice, yeah. <laughs> I paid a lot of money to fly my private jet to this tanker going up and down the Pacific Ocean just so I can eat this endangered sloth. All right, I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm. I'm irate. Okay, I'm irate right now, and I apologize, but I'm irate. Put down that fork. I. Okay, forks over knives, you know. But listen, I. This sloth. I, more sloth, please. I'll take the rest of your sloth. I'll take more rice. You're such a kiss. I like you. Matthew, uh-huh. and, well, since it is endangered, I'm pretty sure that we've got the last one, so there is not a lot of sloth to go around. I think I'm going to give it to Matthew just because it off- offsets the rice Ooh, so nicely. Mm, great. Perfect balance. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm. I am enjoying both the sloth and the rice. Mm. Rick, what do you think about the sloth? What do you do, sloth or rice? <sighs> I, I, they're both pretty good. Do you guys want me to leave? No, no. Rick, stay here. Watch us eat sloth. Stay here. Rick, raw, 
slice, <coughs> sloth or rice. Rick, I'm so Frost. flustered. I'm so flustered. I... Uh, Eli Roth was here earlier. <sighs> he was but... here. He loved the rice. Am I the only guy on the sloth? Rick, you got to have my back. Rick, you got to have my back. I, I, I mean, I kind of thought the string beans were pretty good. What? That's no one's. Rick, could you take a look at this wart that's right above my knee? I'll just take off my Let's pants. See. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Rick. Cool. <laughs> it happens when you're too nice to people. <laughs> they always want to take the pants off. Mm-hmm. Not for sex, just for analysis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was fun. I had, a, I had a good time. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, cool. So. Uh, now's the time. <coughs> like, to take a step back and look at what we just did. Yeah, we're living in the moment. And now let's put, let's go back on it. And let's say, say you were like coaching that set. Yeah, or that was in a class or something. We talked about it for a little bit. Maybe one but, thing uh, we could start with is one thing I really like that you did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. and uh, in the first scene, uh, Stefan and I got into a little bit of an argument. Scene, mm-hmm. and yeah, neither of us were conceding, which is whatever. I mean, eventually one of us has to, right? And I like that you made us force on the positive. Mm. You're like, I got you uh, the wedding present from the registry, Mm -hmm. which implied that we're engaged, which implied that we're going to be married soon and that it's a nice thing for the relationship to kind of agree on. Yeah. I was like, damn, that is a good move because that's what we need. We need to be reminded why we are in a relationship. Like people in a relationship for a long time, a meaningful relationship, talk like that to each other. Oh, you know? for sure. Yeah, so I thought that was a great way to definitely explain why we were being the way we were being, yeah. yeah. For me, it it felt like um, like you guys felt like a newer relationship to me. Mm-hmm. It, it um, And all I meant to convey with that move was to suggest that the two of you are going to be getting married soon, just to kind of give a little, a little parameters to it. Because that, to me, felt like the early stages of driving each other absolutely fucking crazy yeah you know that honeymoon period being over and now you're living with another person and it's like oh your habits are fucking animal habits yeah right after we have three ways (laughs) maybe (laughs) who knows never explain why i would assume you asked rick to just watch (laughs) that's right just has to yeah you guys one or both of you gets off on exhibitionism poor rick just is like sitting here having to like (laughs) He's just supporting his friends, uh, and he's just happy so, for you guys. So politely asking to leave. <laughs> so polite about it. Yeah. So is that not a three-way when someone just watches? Is that literally... I don't think it's That's voyeurism, It's voyeurism. Yeah. Voyeurism, right? Yeah. I mean, it can, I so mean, I've it been de- doing it wrong. It, it depends on, on, on... I mean, you... That's the nice thing about the bedroom is you create your own definitions in there. It's right. whatever you huh. want it to be. I, I would say so technically I've person... still never had sex. I thought it'd been a lot of three ways. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I'm still a virgin, I guess. That's I think overrated. if the uh, yeah. third person assists in some way, you know, if you nope. like hold, nope, nah. nah, gives you like, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, the old, uh, like a nurse in a surgery scalpel. <laughs> yeah, they give you like uh, cream lotion. <laughs> yeah. They just rub lotion on you because it's like, oh, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna get a sore. <laughs> Stefan, I need help with the thrust. You got it, boss. Oh, you got it. I, I'm gonna lend you emotional support right now. No, you know, here. There you put, go. There you go. All Throw right. the burger pen. Uh, all that's right. Cream. That's been my sex life in a nutshell, listeners. That could be interesting. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Whatever floats your boat, man. Honestly. I, Human sexuality is open to any form of expression. It's all good stuff. Yeah, just like thing. improv. In many ways, yes. <laughs> Listening to your partner, responding. Yeah, totally. I Yes. 
I whenever I'm teaching like Harold, <clears throat> I always describe it in sexual terms to people. Harold the form, not specifically. Not Harold, Harold the guy. <laughs> Harold's a good student. He's, He's a okay. Nice dude. He's a prick. Yeah, <laughs> this is an arrogant prick. That's true. Quaffed uh, hair, uh, and he fucks everybody's girlfriend. <laughs> He's a fucking jerk off. That guy. Harold only wants what he wants. You know what I mean? Harold is a sociopath. Harold, <laughs> Harold manufacturer. He Harold does his impression of human emotions to get invited to to like holidays yeah. with people. Yeah. Then he'll fuck your girlfriend and he'll give notes to other students outside of class. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, when I'm teaching the form, Harold, though, I will oftentimes use sexual metaphors for it only because that's how it feels to me is like opening scenes. It's kind of about you're leaning in for the kiss with it. You're getting the sense of what your partner likes and doesn't like. And then by the end of the piece, you kind of like, all right, I know we know how to get each other off now, so we're going to finish the rapid fire. <laughs> nice. Maybe it's not a great one. <laughs> no, I, I, have, totally I, have, buy into it, yeah. I have been sued by a lot of women in my class. That's for that metaphor. <laughs> a lot of women. Is it a class action or just a bunch of Yeah, it's a class action. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go to court over and over again. It's against me and Merck Pharmaceuticals. <laughs> Because I drug everybody in my classes oh. too, and, and then I've been I, in those classes. I was wondering why you give us complimentary tainted water. Mm-hmm. I was so confused. I just assumed it was full of fluoride. It's all part of the experience, and yeah. it is heavily <laughs> uh, fluorided. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Um, uh, that was fun. So, if that were on stage, obviously we're limited by microphones and and our own imaginations if that were on stage if i were coaching that scene i would probably want to uh um really watch you get dressed and really watch you have a like i'd want to see more manifestations of early couplehood so i i would want to see like wrong shirt and undress that like you know the routine (laughs) really because that's the thing that can be comically extended and lived in for a while is like if this poor bastard has to sit here and watch all this shit and if we know that you're running late for work so it's driving you crazy then you want to spend the most amount of time possible not leaving to get to work Right, you know. So I think that physically there would be a lot of fun physical games to get to play in that opening scene like, wait a minute. Oh, I sh- honey, I wore this shirt yesterday. No, no, this isn't going to work. Take right. your shirt off. Right. Why are you Where sorting was- your laundry? I told you I'm not going <clears> to <throat> just pick up your dirty laundry. Right. And the clean laundry. Why are you sorting my laundry? Right. I'm not your mom. That's why. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, really, if you guys want me to leave, I can hang out downstairs. <laughs> no, Rick, I- we want you to get closer, actually. Sit on the bed, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How's our new mattress? <laughs> that would be that's very funny. And then visually having Rick between the two of you is a very <laughs> funny image because now both of you can either use Rick as the as the go between to the yeah. other person or both of you can use Rick to try to get Rick to agree to your point of view. And so Right, like in the last scene. Right, exactly. And I like for me I love stuff like that because it puts me in the easiest possible position on stage if I just have to sit here and kind of nod <laughs> and both of you will take my nodding as implicitly and agreeing with you and so it will help you heighten your thing and I don't have to do anything. Beautiful. I love those moments. You're just, you're just giving us logs to burn. Exactly. Yeah. It just, I, I, it just, hmm? mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah. Uh, and by Rick, we, of course, knew that character was Rick Moranis. Uh, oh, yeah. That's what he's doing these days, just hanging out. 
watching people watching make love, out. offering feedback. There are a couple of they, people <laughs> who do that. They pay, like, there's, like, coaches and stuff. There's classes yeah. that you can take, and they will, like, offer you feedback on your technique. Is, is it live, or you have to hand in a video? I think it's live. Interesting. I don't, I don't know how I get I would, into that game. I would be very wary about a service who's like, yeah, just send us a video. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I and Yeah, right. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, that's why they've always failed for me. No one sends me the video. I got to go and do it live. Right. You want to experience the teacher, the <laughs> life coach. Oh, man. And in order to get uh, customers, you got to just... Do it right. You gotta get experience. You gotta gorilla style. You have sex in windows, like storefront yeah. windows. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta crash people's, you know, intimate evenings and be like, "Hey, I know how to make that better." And one out of every ten might say yes. The yeah. other nine will call the police. Obviously, I have a joke. <laughs> uh, call me old fashioned, but I, I still think sex should be shameful. <laughs> and it's not really a joke because it's I like I, sex is kind of vile and gross. <laughs> it, it's just like uh, it's that's funny. better things to do with your time. No one had sex up until recently. Yeah, it <laughs> it, uh, uh, it started in the sixties. Yeah, right about when education started going down the fucking toilet. You know? <sighs> yeah. Um, so uh, go back to to the scene. <laughs> Sorry, there's a no, no. 95 minute detour from the scene. It's all good. It's all yeah. good. I want to kind of want to hear the joke. Oh, well, that no, that was the joke. That was the joke. Call me old fashioned, <laughs> but I believe sex should still be considered shameful. It trust me, it's it it's funny when you least expect it. <laughs> during a coaching, during a sex coaching. Yes. Session. Yeah. You guys should, first of all, you guys should be ashamed. Just yeah. look at that the way. Secondly, nice thrust. Yes. Uh, uh, anyway, that's my go-to is thrust. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I was trying to, I, I you know, because like I said, we're talking about verbal improvising. Because uh, podcasting and microphones is not really like improv can work on it, mm-hmm. but it's not an improv. As like we talked earlier, belongs in a theater in front of people, right? So, so we have those limitations of the microphones. <laughs> yeah, and like we've done sets where I, I I'm trying. I say cut to. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get. I don't want to say cut to. I think it's cooler just to. To know we've cut to something with a movement and intention. Yeah. And we play with people who do that. Like, they'll just, like, we know it's a new scene immediately. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. And I failed with that today. <laughs> Try yeah. to do it with the guy running in. I thought we were, I was going to try to take your character to do a men's warehouse. Yeah. But I realized with me, my character work, I, I, the shift wasn't clear enough. I might have cut in too early. Uh, maybe I didn't make enough strong character choice. I mean, it led to something fun with the men's warehouse in the woods. Yeah. But how, like, I was trying to really cut into, like, make it an organic edit. Yeah. Do you have any, like, tips or advice on how to, like, make a good, clear, strong, <coughs> organic edit, you know? Um, not really. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Other than be looking at each other and be aware that your partner is or is not looking at you, you know? it That sounds really stupid, but... Like, because the best thing to do if you want to communicate, I think, you know, if I want to communicate to you guys that I'm, you're going to say the same characters, but I'm taking it to a new place is I'll just snap into another <laughs> character, but I also have to make sure that you guys get it. So right. it's a thing of like, are you looking at me? And I'll also have that extra thing of looking in your eyes and like, did, did I communicate that yeah, to you right. or not? And um, also for the listeners, you did like a body shape jolt. Yeah. Where you like, you change posture real quick while 
eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. And just like a simple, that's a thing where, where I think if you're with a group, you have to, you got to run drills for that. You got to practice it. And and I do agree with that of like, I, I like it when it's a little more sophisticated than cut to personally. Right, right. Um, though ultimately I, I'm, I, you do whatever you have to do to make it clear. So if you have to do cut to or cut back, it's like, who gives a shit? I yeah. like, um, uh, you know, if it's clear and you make your intention known, it's fine. But um, that's the thing where it's like, oh, if you're playing with people that you've known for a long time or or you just read each other really well, you're in communication the whole time. Um, you know, like if I was playing with Megan, uh, I could communicate a whole new scene to Megan just by doing this. Just like lift literally inch, a quarter yeah. inch lift of my chin and Megan will immediately know that uh, this is a new character, brand new scene new world you know nice. um and that is just it so all it is is you're not really practicing the different techniques for organic edits you're practicing communication with each other you're practicing watching each other on the level of being able to decode one another's intentions as you're playing i think that that's super important you know right. uh, tj and dave are a good one to watch for that um because a lot of times like one of them will leave the scene and go elsewhere, and you'll see that moment where they decide which character they're staying with. And, and you know, it, it's really interesting to watch how subtle they are in communicating who whose will are they pursuing. You know, they make it look so fluid that they just seem to be reading each other's minds. But yeah. it's just being aware of, like, oh, Dave has just left the scene, but he's still walking I will now stand up and be the person that he's meeting in the new scene wow. rather than stay in my where I was. Yeah, where we were. You know? Yeah. Our so fantastic cool. listeners. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And if you talk with enough. them about it, with them, I, it's I all listening. That's I like they say it's just paying attention and responding to the last little tiny thing that came up honestly and that's it. Wow. So it's actually it's frustrating to do classes with them because that's basically what you get is like, well, pay attention and, and <laughs> respond honestly, which, but what's funny is like, that's, that's what they do. That's all they do. Yeah. That's all they do. It, wow. it, they're so good that it's like, there's no technique left. It's just the purest essence of communicating with a person that you care about on get stage. That pure shit. Yeah, mm. totally. We, uh, yeah, it, it is funny because, um, we, we, People, not improvisers or whoever, takes listening for granted. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I listened. It goes to show that being truly attentive and listening is an art form that you can study for 10, 15 years and oh, just yeah. get better and better and better at it. Yeah, I think so. And and what's funny is the better you get at it, the simpler it is, meaning that you're not listening right. plus something else. I'm just listening. That's it. I'm just letting you go. And I'm taking a second to let it matter to me. That's like literally it, wow. which is why it's so fun to watch them play for me is because it, it's like uh, um, just like perfectly smooth. It, you know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like I read a, a, a thing from, from the cinematographer Gordon Willis and he, he was saying like sometimes if a scene isn't working while he's lighting it, he'll say that's a chunk out of the ball. And what he means by that is like a bowling ball, if there's like a dent or a chunk taken out of the bowling ball, when it hits that chunk, it will like stop rolling. And he's like, well, you want a good scene. And he's talking about it from from right. a, a cinematography perspective. Mm -hmm. But you want it to be as smooth and round as a bowling ball where it's like it can just roll in any direction. That's how I feel about TJ and Dave shows is like it's just 
it just keeps on moving around and there seems to be no friction stopping yeah. it anywhere. And it just boils down to the simplest thing of like, they just love watching each other and, yeah. and, and passing it back and forth, you wow. know, it's great. It's so inspiring. Yeah. Uh, um, going back to the theater thing. I just remember the first time I saw TJ and Dave at the Barrow here yeah. in New York and it was, they did it in the round. I just remember how cool the feeling was to be in a nice big off Broadway theater oh, yeah. to watch them do their show in the round. What, do you remember what that show was? Yeah, it was, um, the, I just remember it was two, which ended up being three very introverted people that live in a house and the most extroverted one was taking the introverted one to a cafe. Mm-hmm. And then they just went to the cafe and they hung out at a cafe for like an hour. All the characters at the cafe were there. And then um, the most extroverted one was dating, I think, was in a relationship with the girl from the cafe. Yeah. So there's a scene with the two of them went to the bathroom and talked to each other. It was great, but yeah. uh, it was just such a powerful experience. And it was just like everyone, and they again going to them about response, like that's them like absolute silence is better than laughter from an audience yeah because there's no one's moving in their seats no one's checking their watch they're just engaged yeah and you can't get that down a triple crown it's hard (laughs) (laughs) it's hard hard. they they could probably do it but uh i've tried it it doesn't work yeah it's hard (laughs) triple crown doesn't lend itself to to pregnant silence for sure although pregnant women pregnant women in the bar yeah oh yeah they shouldn't be there but they're there (laughs) they don't care Um, it's interesting too with them. Well, a what you just described is just like the most boring shit in the world. Yeah, three yeah. people who are introverted who go to a cafe and yeah. hang out. Right, like it sounds right. like it. So, but it, what they do, I think, if you're tuned to their frequency, like I don't want to. I love them. I and yeah. I happen to be in the camp of people who think that they're the best. Um, but I also know that it's like oh, they're not everybody's cup of tea. And, right. You know what I mean? But um. So I don't want to be like, that's what it should be. But what I love about them is it's like watching a movie that really takes you in a different experience because that should be boring as hell. And what they do is they teach you to watch the little moments in there in a way where it becomes really involving and really interesting and and for me, a lot of times when I see their shows, it'll have the feeling like after I watch a really powerful movie where for an hour or two after the show, like I'll be riding the train home and I'll notice different things about people on the train. It's like they they taught me to see something differently or from a different point of view. And I love that. Yeah. Whereas sometimes there's a, a, an improv rhythm that we get used to. Yeah. And it, it can be a little bit like... Um, t- eating a lot of sugar where it's like, okay, you get really, really wired, but then you crash hard and need a lot more sugar to build yourself back up again. Yeah. And it also dulls your, this is so pretentious, but it dulls <laughs> your palate. It, it kind of, you take a lot of, a lot of sugar, you smoke a lot of cigarettes and then you don't quite taste the difference in things. And I like the TJ and Dave show because they do, it's rarely boring though. I've seen them do shows that were kind of dull Yeah, and, and, they just let it be dull. It's like, it just is what it is, which to me is like such a courageous wow. thing yeah. because you get so self-conscious about like, do people love me? Do people think I'm funny? Is this working? Yeah, especially them. They have such a reputation and they charge, you know, to see improv, yeah. which is like, 
is so awesome and amazing yeah. that that can do it, you know. So it's a theater show. It's not it really a theater is. show. Well, it's also like watching them. Another aspect is the expectation of the room. So you go to the Barrow Street, and it's already a different experience because you're not just with improvisers. Uh, you're paying more money for beer, you know. Um, <laughs> but there's a bunch of theater people in the room, and there's a couple of celebrities scattered about, and there's a bunch of old school improvisers around, yeah. and there's people from the New Yorker. Like it's like, oh, this is a different audience than I normally hang out with, and and there's a dip for an atmosphere to it and you're in a room full of people who all are having the same expectation that we're about to see an art form practiced at its highest level and not to take anything away from what TJ and Dave do because I, you know, they are, they are actually at that level. But when you're in a room full of people who believe that what you're about to show them is, is going to be genius. Um, when you do this, <coughs> you'll get a 30-second laugh break. Whereas <laughs> yeah. if you're in the trip in a basement of Triple Crown, it might be just as brilliant of a move, but you're not getting that laugh break because <laughs> the expectation in that is fast and loud and, and crazy and hard-hitting comedy, aggressive. Because you got to be aggressive in that room. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting thing of the way that the expectation of, of yeah. your surroundings will alter the kind of credit the audience will give your performance yeah and yeah, the uh, way that improv is such a you know intrinsic relationship with the audience yeah really informs your play for sure yeah yeah um going, uh, at college there was a q a with an old veteran actor <clears throat> uh pat hingle who passed away a few years ago oh pat hingle he yeah. uh, commissioner gordon commissioner gordon exactly commissioner gordon. a lot yeah. of uh, old member of the acting studio for years yeah and he said something that uh that, that stuck with me it's like uh, uh every everyone in a theater as part of the experience it starts at the usher when you go in it's the very usher how does he treat you yeah it dictates your experience and that experience lives and dies that night yeah so that goes back to the different like the different spaces and experience it feeds into the energy differently and improv is what is improv other than energy yeah you know yeah yeah energy we're we're, we're living off of listening to and creating you know i yeah i i think that that's true out, bro yeah i was <laughs> that was a little trippy <laughs> but uh I, I'll, I'll believe it I, I believe it too. Yeah, sometimes it it will. Sometimes you'll have these shows that are magic, and you can do no wrong, and and it feels like I, I don't know how to describe this feeling, but it's like every little tiny door inside you opens up and allows this draft through all of them. So it's just <laughs> like a direct channel from your deep recesses into the deep races of the people in the room and one of the things that i think is a little bit scary about that is like you walk away from the shows where everything hits and everything was amazing and and you just fucking killed and you didn't you weren't thinking you you know you're just playing and audience loved it and you'll realize of like part of that was that i was good tonight and part of that was that the people i was playing with were good tonight and part of it was the right people were sitting in the room to receive it right and like I'll say this in, in, in like because I I teach you know mm -hmm. when you are teaching a room full of people who think that you're brilliant you teach better you say better things you give better notes you're more concise you on your feet spontaneously come up with exercises that are more useful when you are teaching to a room full of people who are checking their phones and have this kind of body language and 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 are challenging you to prove it. You start stumbling over your own words. You over talk. Like 
it's never just you. It's always this meeting of the people that are all there. And it's also true when you're performing of like, partly it's your talent and your skill and, and the skill of, of your ensemble or your, or your duo or trio, whatever. But partly it's also, um, the right people were together to, to decode everything that was there. Because when you're playing in front of that audience, what, what makes those shows so magic is that every single thing that happens is meaningful. And when you're playing the shows that feel really rough, and this is why Triple Crown Basement can be challenging to play in, mm-hmm. there's a lot of noise. And I don't just mean f- like physical noise. There's a lot of, of noise that clouds up the meaning, so things happen that don't seem meaningful. Whereas like when you're watching TJ and Dave, TJ Jagodowski <coughs> does that, and people laugh for 30 seconds because it means something significant to the larger piece as a whole. And they happen to be performing in an environment where people are are already tuned into that expectation that something very meaningful is about to occur. Mm. Um, and that's where it's like cool to be a smart improviser and adjust your strategy and know that like, oh, if I'm playing to a crowd of people who, and you could feel it in the first 30 seconds of a show, they're noticing every little thing that's going on up here. And, and it's getting, sometimes it doesn't get a laugh, but you know that it's being responded to. You just mm. feel it. You feel the attention that's coming at you you adjust to play slower and more subtly and, and, you know, you become better. Really? You do. They make you better. It's totally a feedback loop. The kind of attention that they give you actually makes you a better player. And, and you don't have to think quite so much. You don't have to rely on technique quite so much. You play the show that you're in and you follow it moment by moment. And it really does have that feeling of like, it's just one step followed by the next step. And I don't know where it's going, but I don't care in the best way possible. When you're playing in rooms that feel a little cloudier, that feel like there's noise, whether it be physical or or just the noise of attention, it's an audience that doesn't trust you or doesn't yeah. believe in you, you adjust to that too. And so it's like, okay, I can't rely on like getting my laugh by making a face. That means I better start having ideas. I better start throwing shit into this. I, I, I have to do a little bit more work in in creating the show rather than revealing the show that happens to be be on stage with me right now, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and I think a smart improviser and an experienced improviser will make those adjustments. A smart improviser, uh, um, you know, will alter their strategies to make sure that they're playing for the room that they're in. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. All right. Um, on that note, we should probably finish up, right? Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Uh, uh, you know what? It's funny. We're talking about kayaking earlier. Brad and me are actually going kayaking this weekend. We actually have a spare... We have a spare um, kayak if you want to come kayaking. Do you want to go with us? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, is that serious? Yeah, yeah. You want to go kayaking with us this weekend? Oh. We go, it's upstate. It's right off the MTA North. Not too far. It's only a few stops north of like Westchester. Um, No offense, but uh, uh, I kind of have like my friendship group, you know, like I am. It's kind of like a close thing, but thank you. That's great. Have fun. Oh. Well, that's been Improv Noise. <laughs> Thank you very much to our wonderful guest, Mr. Lewis Kornfeld. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is great. This is really fun. My co-host, Brad Kula, DJ Andrew Hagmeister outside. And, of course, Stefan Schütte. Hey, guys. On the one and twos. <laughs> on the what? One and twos. I don't know. On the one and twos. Yeah. Uh, two and ten. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys. Keep making it up. Yeah.